BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies. You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka. Hi, everybody. I'm Denise Hanitka, and you are listening to On a Mother Level. So glad you're here for episode 73. And I want to begin today by catching you up on some important news in the Quad Cities. And I think um, you'll still be interested in this no matter where you are listening to this from. For the past nine months here at WQAD, the TV newsroom that I work in, we've been covering the disappearance of a 10-year-old girl named Briasia Terrell. She was last seen back in July, a night she spent with her younger half-brother and his father, a man named Henry Dinkins. You may remember last July, right? We were about three months into the pandemic, and I remember I was sitting in my basement where I was doing my mobile remote broadcasting live one afternoon as police were giving us a breaking news update about Briasia's disappearance, saying they had named a person of interest in the case the very man she was last seen with, Henry Dinkins. He was in jail, police told us, on unrelated charges, but police wanted to know what people knew about this guy, Dinkins, his cars, what he might have been up to in the days leading up to and around Briasia's disappearance. We kept following the story as Briasia's mom went to the jail to talk to Dinkins and walked out with no answers as to where her daughter is. The FBI got involved. The search expanded from Credit Island in Davenport up to Clinton County, Iowa, where volunteers came out in the middle of a pandemic to search for a girl they most likely had never met. That's when police gave another update that appeared to cast a different light on the investigation. Chief Paul Sikorsky cast doubt on the cooperation of some members of Briege's family, pausing for several seconds when asked about it by a reporter. This is what he said. We are definitely focusing on family and definitely interviewing family members. I think the cooperation level, that is something they may come out later on, Chief Sikorsky said. So we went to Briege's mom with that quote. She told us, we took it as, who the hell are you talking to? Ayesha Langford told us, because we have been cooperative and we had been listening. A few more weeks passed. School started. Briasia should have been a fifth grader in the fall. And then it almost seemed to go cold. We didn't hear any updates from police. Those coordinated searches, they weren't happening anymore. But police say behind the scenes, they were working nonstop. And then came last week's developments. March 22nd, two fishermen call police to report finding a body in a pond off of Highway 61 in Clinton County, right in that area where police targeted for searches nine months ago. Davenport police were called in. Everyone feared this was the news. This was going to be Briasia. And they were right. Eight days later, police confirmed the remains found by those fishermen are 10-year-old Briasia Terrell, the little girl who loved to dance on TikTok, is dead. 
No longer a missing persons case, this is now a homicide investigation. And as of this recording, we do not know how she died. We don't know how she ended up in that pond. We don't know how long she had been there. But based on the thousands of comments on my Facebook updates, our community is heartbroken that this could happen to an innocent 10-year-old girl. And so I bring up Briasia's story because it's heavy on my heart today. And because my guest today brought it up last week during our interview. Her name is Tammy Pescatelli. You likely recognize her name as a stand-up comedian. She appeared on Last Comic Standing. She has a new special out right now called The Way After School Special and many more projects that she's going to talk about in this interview. She also has ties to the Quad Cities. It's actually where she started her career in comedy, kind of by accident, on a dare, really, which is such a funny part of her story. But at the end of our interview, I asked her if there's anything else that she wanted to add, and she said that she wanted to talk about Briasia. Not knowing that on that very day, police later were about to tell us that a body had been found. She had no idea that there was an update coming to that story, but she wanted to talk about Briasia simply because she wanted to use her platform to bring attention to this missing girl, asking people to call police if they have information. She had no idea that this was all going on. None of us did. And I wanted to leave in that part of the conversation because I think it says a lot about her as both a woman and as a mother. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Tammy Pescatelli. And if you do, I hope you will schedule a little date night. Don't we all need one of those? Uh, At the end of the month, because she is going to be in Davenport at the Rhythm City Casino, I'm going to leave you all that information on her show at the end of this episode. And so despite the heavy start to this podcast, there are lots of laughs ahead, including a very funny story about um, Tammy's younger days in the Playboy Mansion. Um, That's a great story. So I want to bring in Tammy, but thank you for letting me share that little tidbit about what's going on in our community here in the Quad Cities. Thank you for listening to On a Mother Level. If you're brand new to the show, follow me on Instagram. It's at On a Mother Level. And so here we go with... Tammy Pescatelli. You have amazing skin, by the way, Denise. Amazing. Oh, gosh. No, ring light. Makes things happen. Yeah. You know what? It's so funny. Uh, my son's upstairs in Zoom school using the ring light because now he's 13 and he wants to present. Oh. So I'm like, okay, but I, mommy bought those for me and my interviews and my job. <laughs> oh, well. So that's when it happens. 13 is when the- seventh grade, I think, really. Okay. It's first. I mean, there have been other people and other friends that hit this, you know, caring what they wear. You know, hybrid school, we're laying out clothes now the night before. Mom, this doesn't match. This is stylish. You know, it's cool. It's, it's funny. I mean, because my husband's that way, too. My husband's like very into his presentation. So interesting. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two boys. The oldest is four um, and my youngest is two. God bless. So my my oldest, he's into his hair right now. He likes his hair to be spiky. And as long as there's a dinosaur on his shirt, that's all that he cares about. How sweet. We were all, we skipped dinosaurs. We did all superheroes, but it was crazy superheroes. Like, it's very funny because I truly used to write a joke I wrote a joke about a real experience. I was in LA when I was pregnant and I had no plans of ever leaving LA. I loved everything about 
I mean, for the most part, I loved the weather. I loved our friends. I loved everything. It was hard because our group of friends didn't have, we were the first ones to have kids. So that's a weird thing when you're the first in the group. So that was a little bit iffy. But a man walked by with a briefcase. A, a, a joke is, the joke actually goes, but it's exactly what happened. Like he had a briefcase, a three-piece suit, and a Superman cape. And I was like, okay, we got to get the hell out of here because this is not normal. Like, And then it's funny because I feel like, like that jumped onto my son <laughs> like because for there was about a year and a half of his life that he wouldn't go anywhere without his backpack i actually sewed one a superman i mean without a superman cape i sewed one on his backpack so at least he would have it at preschool and, at, and in kindergarten because he couldn't wear it you know i'm like but you have it it's there so if something happens you have your your cape Oh, that's so sweet, though. You know, it's you've got to miss those days when you're running around hunting for the PS5. Oh, well, that just happened over the weekend. So I mean, you not finally got it for Christmas. So yeah, we, we, we got it. And that was Yeah, well, that was fun, because he was kind of part of that. I was like, Look, here's what's gonna happen. I can download all these apps and I'm on it. And I've been looking and looking and looking and we had had a horrible as everyone had a horrible 2020, but prior to that, we'd had a horrible 2019 as a family because my father was in the hospital for a, a gallstone and they dropped him after surgery and paralyzed him. They dropped him in the transfer to his bed. And my father was a big man. He used to play football, like and a huge influence in our lives. And that was horrible because my my kid didn't have, you have me, didn't have, you know, because I was trying to help my parents, didn't have his grandmother, didn't have his grandfather because he spent so many days in the hospital. And I just really wanted that PS5. I don't know, it became this bastion of everything that I had been going through. I'm like, I am getting this PS5. So I enlisted him and I said, listen, get on the apps. If you get it, you get it. What do you care if you know, like, you know? So it was fun. We finally, and we finally got it. Thank goodness. Well, well done. Sounds yeah. like it was a lot of work to try. It was a ton of work. I'm going to tell you something. It was like I said, if you're trying to get a lottery ticket to pay for something. Like, it's not like you win a free PS5. It was just a chance to buy it. But, you know, the decisions you make, you know, and I'm glad I did because you know what? Three weeks after Christmas, my father passed and it, my son has now like, he, you know, I mean, he just found some solace you know, in, in that PS5. So at least he had some really fun, happy days prior to that. Oh, well, I'm sorry about your father. Thank you. It's been tough. Like he's the whole reason I was in the Quad Cities. No <laughs> kidding. Tell me about that. So I was, um, I had graduated from college at Kent State. I have a degree in fashion design. I graduated a little bit early. I was like 20, 20. I think I just made, no, I was 20 when I first moved to the Quad Cities. Then I turned 21 in the in the QC. I had nothing to do for that summer, nothing. So when you're 20, 21 years old and your parents have moved because they he, he started New York Life Insurance Branch in the Quad Cities. My brothers were in high school. So that's an odd age. You don't hang out with your high your brothers in high school. And I didn't know anyone. So I thought, oh, I'm gonna work at the Funny Bone. There was a Funny Bone that was down there um, out in Davenport on Kimberly. I thought I'll work there for the summer. I had an internship in New York in the fall. So I thought I got three months. I'll meet people. I'll make a little money. And I love stand up. I'll listen to some comedy, you know? 
And uh, that's how it all started because the radio station sponsored an open mic night, Power 98.9. And um, I said I, I was just, I could do it. My brothers dared me. And three weeks after working there, I went on stage for 10 minutes and the radio station I said, why don't you come and hang out? Um, our morning show uh, needs a little laughter to it. And then within six months, I was the co I, I was the co-host and then my co-host left and it became my show and I got a co-host and I did stuff over at uh are you where are you? Uh what station are you at? I'm at WQAD. We're on the oh, I did tons side. of stuff QAD. Yeah. I did on Paula's show. I was like the little fitness and nutrition expert. I would come in. I was a cheerleader for the Quad City Thunder. Uh I did plays over at Circa. So for the four years that I lived really about three and a half because I was on the road for the last year and a half, but I would come back and make the QC my home base. But everything that I became was able to be developed in the Quad Cities. I mean, I literally was on the radio in the morning. I'd go work at the uh, comedy club at night. A couple times a week, I'd do a little spot with Paula. I'd do plays over at Circa on the off seasons of the when the when the Thunder wasn't playing. So we had some fun. Wow, you did the full Quad City thing. There was no stone left on. There was nothing, right? I know there was nothing left to do there, but it was fun. It 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 just gave so many opportunities because you know that was an exciting time in the QC too. Like there was a movie being shot there. I never got cast in the movie, which was weird. Uh, I did get one movie that was shot in the QC called Beauty Queen Butcher that I was able to be part of. But there was a couple like movies from these Italian filmmakers. And it just, it was an exciting, fun time. That's when, um, it's the mark, right? It's now called the um, the Tax Slayer Center. <laughs> okay, let's go with the mark. Um, right, that's what everybody says. Uh, but it was fun, it had just opened and the team was really good. And it just, it was just a fun time. And I really didn't know what I was gonna do. Like, yeah. I mean, I had a degree in fashion design, but the radio was cool. I'd never thought about that, you know, so. Well, when's the last time you were here? Well, I brought, I had a little uh, show on WeTV that I came back and filmed a big chunk okay. on the, in the QC. That was in 2011, but I've been there since. Like three years ago, I think I was okay. back. But yeah, I've been back a couple times. I still have so many great friends there. So I'm super excited to come back this time. I'm gonna come in like a day early, two days early. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, the big thing here right now is we're getting the new bridge over I-74, which I'm sure they were still uh -huh. they were talking about when you were here in the 90s. Yeah. But yeah, so there's a new bridge um, going up, which I mean, it changes the whole look, you know, of the riverfront there. That's what they needed, though. I mean, like if, if you try to cross that bridge and try to catch a flight, sometimes it was the most ridiculous thing because you just never know. It's exciting. It's exciting for me to come back and play a casino. I was there when the riverboats first began to come in. So it's neat to see, you know, how things have changed around there. Well, in a lot of ways, there's not a huge comedy scene in the Quad Cities. There's no comedy club here. Very few comedians come through our area. And I feel like it's something that we're really missing. Well, and it's disappointing because the Funny Bone that was there was an amazing club because you were two hours from Chicago. So you'd get a lot of Chicago comics. People would stop there on their way to St. Louis. We got huge names that would come in. There were people that would be on their way to maybe Des Moines or uh, Omaha. So it was a great routing club. It's sad that there isn't. I mean, 
hey, you know what? We'll have a conversation. What on there? Let's see if anybody wants to do it. Let's find. <laughs> let's do it. So, okay, it's going to be like 90 people allowed in the crowd. What are your thoughts on these like more intimate settings? You've played big, big, big venues yeah. before. So what do you think about doing like the smaller venue? What is that that uh, feeling like? Well, I'm thrilled to work. Yeah. First of all, right. And I want to do whatever it takes to make people feel comfortable because I think COVID almost killed comedy. People got afraid. You know, uh, people were worried. We became afraid of other people. Like, and I get it. I've always like, there's an Italian word skeeved. Like when I realized that people didn't wash their thumbs in those videos, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This is what I've been talking about all these years. I hate, I felt bad because I was the hoarder of the hand sanitizer, but way before I knew COVID, I did pass. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, but I traveled, so I don't get to call in sick. So it's, that has always been of the utmost importance to me. I always meet my fans after shows. And of course I'll shake hands and, and do hugs prior to all of this. But I used to always wash my hands and they used to laugh at me. People would laugh and go, oh, or you think I'm dirty? No, I don't think you're dirty. I just can't call in sick. I don't have a backup. Like if I'm in a town and I'm sick, what are we gonna do? Like, and you don't get paid. There's no sick pay for comics either. You know, I end up having to actually pay when I get sick because I have to reimburse everybody their funds and stuff. So I'm excited though, by the way, getting back to it. I think 90 people is probably appropriate where everybody feels comfortable. We'll have a good time. Plus, you know what it also does? It eliminates anybody who's not really sure of what's going on. Everybody who's there is there to have a good time. Perhaps they're a friend, perhaps they're a fan, whatever the case is, they know what's happening. So I feel like these shows that I've been slowly eking out as the world is opening up have been the most phenomenal shows, but also I'm more grateful probably as well. Yeah. Yeah. So is pandemic material funny or do you try to stay away from it? Because it's like, it's been a whole year of our lives. You know, you're probably gathering this material, but then you're like, maybe people don't want to hear this. Yeah. Well, a little bit. I do. I do. I have about a 20 minute chunk of just, but how I dealt with it, what's happening in my house, which is how I deal with all, all yeah. of my material. You know what I mean? Like what was going on in my brain through it. And a lot of the stuff that I'm saying people think, but don't want to say out loud. <laughs> so I'll, I'll be the one that says it out loud. For yeah. Them. We had this last year, but you had your special came out basically a year ago. You had your movie come out in the last year as well. You did all of writing. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. No bragging, just facts. I was the host of a new show on Circle TV, which is a country music lifestyle. And they do, it was a comedy show called um, Stand Up Nashville. Then I then a movie that I was the lead in, the star of, after all these years, That's Amore came out on Prime Video. My hour special came out on Prime Video. Uh, a special I was part of on Showtime, Women of a Certain Age, uh, no, came out on Showtime. Yeah. Uh, all in March in March of 2020. So I thought before March, I did the Today Show, I was scheduled for the Tonight Show. And on March 18th, I lost 237 dates in an afternoon. Wow. And people are like, aren't you disappointed? And I'm like, well, no, because originally I'm from Cleveland and I'm a Browns fan, so I'm used to disappointment. <laughs> like, you know, I, I was lucky to have all of that out prior to this pandemic setting in. The only part was, is that was my everything. So that was supposed to be the year that probably did another tilt on my career. And it felt sadly to like, 
I'm one, not one, I was honored by this award that SiriusXM gives out called Unmasked. Funny now that it's the pandemic, it's gonna take a different, but it's where uh, Ron Bennington, it's the head of the comedy channels, sits down with a comic and does a one-on-one -on -one, you know, style interview and they do it in New York and people come and I've been to a few of them and it's amazing. It's like this great, and I did mine on Zoom, you know? So it was like, eh. it's like, but, so did everybody else, by the way. Proms were held on Zoom, graduations, everybody, everybody's in the same boat. So that's really, you know, I succeed at being the underdog. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's kind of um, one thing that stuck out to me when, when I was reading about your stand-up special. You had a high school counselor tell you that you'd have to rob a bank to get on TV. Who? Yes. Yes. I know. Tell I know. Well, story. I mean, it's crazy. Like, literally... You know, I'm in 10th grade, you sit down, what do you want to do? And don't, I mean, I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland. I didn't grow up in the city. I grew up like 30 minutes outside. I grew up where everybody, you know, which is everybody had good job, normal jobs, right? No one thought giant pictures and that's okay. That's where, you know, and even my parents, when I said I wanted to be an actress, they were like, get out, come on, let's go. Why don't you go be a teacher, go teach, like whatever. Cause so when I told her and she was like, you know, you'll never, that'll never happen. You're not, you're from here. And if you want to be on TV, you got to rob a bank. And she just met, and she didn't mean it in like in a funny way. She was just telling me it's never going to happen. And I think that was the thing that broke my spirit. My parents telling me was one thing, but like when somebody else said it, so I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll just do fashion and which is okay. I'm glad I did that. But it was funny because I, I had to go all these years and then I wanted to go back and film my special there. And I was going to show her like, you know, seven tonight shows later, two hour specials before that, all this other stuff I was going to show her and tell, and uh, people go, uh, oh, you know that she passed away. And I like, I was just like blown away, you know? And they were like, oh, we're so sorry to tell you. And I'm like, I'm not sad. I wanted to tell her off. Like, <laughs> so if you're going for revenge, make sure you do it faster than 15, 20 years later. I mean, does that impact how you talk to your son now that he's coming up on that same age? Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. But I think everything is different, even with yeah. my parents. Just like I told you about the indulging with the Superman cape. My parents, you know, I talk about the difference in the generation a lot in my act, but it's not just generational difference. I'm 100% Sicilian. I grew up in a very very immigrant uh, uh, Italian Catholic family where like you just you were supposed to be grateful for what you had put your head down get a job and shut up <laughs> like you know you weren't there was no indulgence and I mean I used to joke about the fact that you know my brothers used to wear their underoos for Halloween if they wanted to be a superhero like there was no costumes or do all that I do but I only have one kid so who else yeah. am I supposed to do it for no, in general, though, moms do a lot more and play with our kids more. And we're in the trenches more with our kids than our parents certainly ever were. For sure. I mean, and there's such a generational thing. Definitely play with them. Definitely do things with them. You know, my parents literally, we, but we had each other. So we were playing with each other. We're playing with neighborhood kids. I think we're isolated before even the pandemic. We've isolated our children a little bit more. They're not even control with their own play dates, if you will.
You just yeah. played with who was in your neighborhood. Yeah, there's no, and I mean, my kids are still little, but there's really no turning them out and just, you know, waiting. Yeah, go outside. Hey, no, no, no. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is something you brought up earlier was, you know, so you're the first of your, of your friend group to have kids and, you know, you're doing the LA thing and you're doing the, the comedy thing. And I thought what you said um, in one podcast was so relatable, just that you didn't have that mom village to like, to share in this experience with. Well, that's right. Well, but now I wasn't the first in my friend group in in like my real friends, they had all had kids. I was okay. 37 before I had my son. Okay. So while they were having kids, I was playing, you know, USO tours. I was in camp, New York in Iran, you know what I mean? So or in Iraq. Um, so I was all over, but I was the first in this comedy group. When I said I was pregnant to my agent and my agent said to me, I've never seen a pregnant woman on stage. And I truly wrote that joke and said, uh, apparently you've never been to a really bad strip club because I said that to him like as a smart comeback. Um, that was 13 years ago, right? But look at, there's a ton of female comics now that have done their specials. I showed up to film a thing on, it's called Nesson. It's Northeast, uh, the Northeastern Sports Network. It's huge in Boston in that area. And I was seven months pregnant and they didn't know if they were gonna let me go on. Really? They had a huge discussion whether I could actually do the show. What, you could never worried hear about your health? What were you going to fall over? What? I, this is what I said. Do you think, do you have to pay me double for my baby? That's what I said. I'm like, are you afraid that my baby, my baby's union. Okay. I'm like, he's like, I, he's a legacy. I mean, it was crazy. So those are questions and things that a lot of the women don't have to go through now. And literally 13 years ago, how ridiculous is that? So yeah. I was at a place too that, yes, there were women that have, Joan Rivers did the Tonight Show pregnant, but that's Joan Rivers. You know, people would say to me, look at Joan Rivers, look at Roseanne, look at, I said, they were huge. I'm just a touring comic. I have a little bit of success to sell tickets, but I don't have Joan Rivers money to have someone tour with me with a nanny and my child. We were living in Los Angeles. So then we went to New York and tried to live by my mother-in-law. And that was like one attached house in Brooklyn. And I went away for one afternoon after the baby was born. And uh, I pulled up and my furniture was out like on the lawn and not, they don't have lawns. It's like sidewalk. And I saw a guy walking away with my grandmother's chair that I had carried from Cleveland to the Quad Cities, back to Cleveland, to Los Angeles, to New York. And this guy's walking away. So I'm like pulling the chair from the guy. It's like the lady's giving it away. My mother-in-law had gotten new furniture on the afternoon that I went to one job when my son was three months old and gave me her old furniture and threw all my furniture out that it was junky but i was trying to do shabby chic because that was what was pop. Like, it's supposed to be <laughs> so i had a house in pennsylvania and we came here and i ended up selling a show based about being a wife a mother and comedian leaving a big city and living in a small town my parents came here to help us i had some relatives here already in this little town. That's why I had bought the house here. And then my husband fell in love with it. And we've been here ever since. And so you love it there still? No, I don't. <laughs> I personally do not. I'll be really honest with you. Okay. Um, I need more things. I need at least a bed, bath and beyond, but it's amazing for my son, a small town community. It's like one of the quad cities. Does that make sense? It'd be yes, like totally living makes sense. Just living. 
it, and it's it's perfect for him to grow up because up until last year he had a mother that traveled a lot so i really do feel a sense of camaraderie with the parents and things like that and then i think and it has a nice mix of people like it's a nice amalgamation of rich and poor and different races and so i love that and it's manageable if that makes sense now for me it's a big pain uh because i didn't work a lot uh i did stand up a lot because but then i'd still have to drive an hour and a half to a, an airport no matter what direction i went yeah. uh, but i was able to put down being a wife and a mom on that drive pick up being a comic and do the reverse when i came home but my acting career was like because i was having to zoom or there wasn't even Zoom, I just have to tape it and send it in. And immediately when the world got on the same page, I got part in Blue Bloods that's gonna be maybe recurring because everybody else is doing the same thing now. But they, I guess they had to catch up to me. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't mean to brag, but we do have a Bed Bath & Beyond here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know, I think I was there when it was put in. I was there, two malls. I don't know what the malls are like anymore, but come on. Yeah, they're a little sad. They're a little sad. All malls are right now. That's yeah. really sad. You know, because you posted about it just a couple of days ago, and because it's no longer a thing anymore, I want you to tell this story about um, uh, falling off a trampoline at the Playboy Mansion. It's really true. So um, Mitzi Shore, the mother of comedy, was a really wonderful mentor of mine, and she owned the comedy store in Hollywood. And she every year would do these uh, charity golf shows with, uh, the, they'd have a golf day with the Playboy Mansion and then they'd come down, or the Playboy Foundation. Then they'd come down to the comedy store and do a show. Then afterwards, Hugh would have a party and I would always get stuck on him. But don't forget, I was young back then. I was doing, you know, and so they, they wanted a funny woman who could handle it. And there was always the guys fighting to be on the show. So it was so funny because everybody wanted to go with me to the party afterwards. You couldn't take guys anyway, because he had enough guys there. I, it was like the third or fourth time that I'd done the show. I went to the mansion and there's something, it was, I don't know, we just weren't hanging out. My friends and I weren't hanging out. A lot of the girl, like the girl that you see in that picture with me, her name is Eleanor Kerrigan. She's now a very, very, very funny stand-up comedian. But at the time she was a waitress for Mitzi over there. She was also um, a glow wrestler, gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I was like, come on, come on, Elle, show me some of those moves. She's from Philly, I'm from Cleveland. Well, come on, show me, the I saw the trampoline and we weren't hanging out trying to, you know, meet the uh, OJ attorneys. That's really who was there, <laughs> you know what I mean? That kind of group of old men. But we had to go because Mitzi asked us to go to represent. So, and we had been drinking a little bit. It had been a hot day, it was quick. And, <laughs> and one of the other, like one of the playmates decided to join us, whatever. And she was just being really, you know, sometimes women can be rude and catty. And Eleanor was trying to show me the moves that she wasn't clearly hitting me because she was showing me resin. This girl just came out of nowhere and tried to, and she knocked me off the trampoline. And the joke is, is that I went flying down the hill, but it's the truth, into a pond, a peacock came running at me. And I was like, oh my God. And then I couldn't walk for three days because my back was bruised like this big. But uh, I said, the joke is, is that 
after going to a party at the Playboy Mansion and you can't walk for three days, no one believes it has anything to do with an unfortunate trampoline incident. So well, it's a very creative story to cover up. For it's the, the truth, I swear. <laughs> and you know what's funny about it is it's my fault. The next year we did the show and I was at the party and the trampoline was down and we were realizing that it was down and uh, half came up to me and he said, it's your fault. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I was afraid. My attorneys told me that if you would have sued me, I would have had to pay you and I had to take it down. So ah, I sued him, but I missed opportunity. Yeah. Who wants that? <laughs> Ill-gotten gains, right? I don't want that. They, I said, use the money to clean the grotto. Well, it makes it even more of a legendary story because, you know, the Playboy Mansion is no longer. Yeah, I know. It's all crazy. Those were the days. I was really lucky to be able to do a lot. Listen, I met tons of people in the Quad Cities. That's what helped me. You know, the big names would be in town and I would ask them to come into the radio station on Friday and interview them and then literally take them out to breakfast because they, you know, were really cool. So it was a lot of fun. I, I met a lot of people. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that I'm not asking? I, I want everybody to come out. I want to have a great time. I just want to say one thing. And I want to make sure that I get this correct because as a mother, it's really hurting my heart to hear um, about Briasia. I want to help if whatever we can do, let's get behind this. Let's, let's not let this fade because as mothers, as, as humans, we have to get behind all these situations and each one reach one, whatever it takes. So we got to find this poor young girl. If you know anything, please call, please call the hotline number. Do we have it? I mean, if anybody here knows anything, you've seen anything, some every, I'm going to tell you something, not much happens in the quad cities without someone knowing. I know that because people used to know my business all the time. I, there wasn't any time I could be out at a nightclub and be a little tipsy or be dancing with a certain guy that they didn't know. So everybody just reach out. It really bothers me as a mother. Do you just kind of keep up with Quad City News or just happen to, to pop it in the Google? Or Can I tell is... you what happened? Yeah. No, I keep up with what I hear from my friends, yeah. of course, because um, I have some really great friends still in the QC. But I try to lend my time to uh, help with the missing and exploited children. Okay. And when that name came across and then I saw Davenport, it just hit me harder than anything else because you know i'm sure i know somebody who knows somebody in her family you know and i think it really it, it those are the things that we all know something about about someone who's missing something that goes on that you don't realize so think about it and really and really try i i i always kid you know that we're a lot nosier i got to a point literally during the pandemic that I think I was watching my ring doorbell because I'd run out of shows to watch. So I, I know a lot that's happening in my neighborhood and I'm sure everybody else does too. That's cool that you do that work with missing and exploited kids. Cause yeah, as a mom, it's like, you can't, you can't ignore it. You can't look away. I was always, you know, look, I, I always to try to make people laugh. This is not, this is a situation that we have to address because I have the platform to do it. But I, you know, we're not going to talk about it when I'm on stage. None of that's going to happen. We're going to laugh. We're going to have a good time. I'm going to talk about some of the things that maybe are kind of intimate to the QC that I remember and that maybe we'll all pick up at the same time. And then I just tell you some of the stuff that's been happening in my life. That's what I wrote my show as if we're all old friends and I just haven't seen you in a while so we could catch up. 
and now we can for real. So, and that's exactly what I like about your comedy. It's very relatable in its own kind of way, you know. Denise, I appreciate that. I was so sweet of you to reach out to me. Tammy, thank you so, so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Do you want to wrap by telling people where they can find you? Social um, media, yeah, yeah. website. All over social media, just Tammy Pescatelli, uh, Facebook. I'm not a huge Instagram person because I'm old and I don't like a lot of pictures of myself. Uh, Twitter, I like to be sarcastic. So, And never TikTok because that's not dancing for when you're older. You just look like a moron. Thank you, Denise. I really appreciate it. Come over and say hello after the show, okay? I absolutely will. Thank you so much. Tammy, what a gem. I'm so glad that I got to talk to her, and I'm really looking forward to the show at the end of the month. Okay, so it's Thursday, April 29th at 6.30 at the Rhythm City Casino. Like you heard, it's going to be a small, distant venue, so only 90 people are in there. You've got to get your tickets now before they sell out, and they will. It's going to be a very funny show. Her comedy is very relatable. Check her out on YouTube and watch some of the clips on there if you want to hear a little bit more of her comedy but I hope that you will check it out and um, support a fellow quad citizen um, for a little bit of her career. I think that is so very, very cool. So thank you again to Tammy. Thank you for listening to On a Mother Level. When it comes to parenthood, we can relate. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network.